0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters. Uh, This is the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. Thank you so much for watching us or listening to us today. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined remotely by my brother, Jacob Johnson. Hello. And uh, he is back in Pennsylvania. I am in the state of South Dakota. So obviously being in person wouldn't work out super well. So he's mm. remote. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. Go to trdshow.net. That's our show's website. We got all sorts of cool stuff on there. We also have an uh, option, and ability, an ability. Yeah, we have an option or ability for you to earn free stuff from us. Check out this mug. See, this is our logo on this side. This is, you know, uh, another part of our logo and uh Matthew 513 on this side it, it is a, it's a cool mug I like it I think it's an awesome mug um and if you like it too you can get one for yourself you can also get one of these stickers which is pretty cool uh not the get on gab because that's from gab uh but you can we get should get on gab you should get on gab because that's where we are so you know gab.com slash trd show is is a great place for you to be um but uh, also, you can get a mug, a sticker, and a t shirt from trdshow.net by joining our referral program. Help grow the show's audience while also earning free stuff, which is really cool. I mean, why not? It takes like 30 seconds to sign up, probably less than 30 seconds. It's really easy. Go to trdshow.net to do that. Send us an email at trdshowprotonmail.com. At we want to hear from you, our audience. We really want to hear your thoughts. Also, we have a newsletter. So if you miss an episode or two and you're like, darn it, I wish there were an easier way for me to find out when they post a new episode so we can find it. Or if you just want to, you know, stay up to date on what's happening and know about what's going on in the episode before it goes live, Well, actually, no, it'd be after it goes live. It's day after it goes live. But uh, if you want to know before you watch the episode what you're getting yourself into, sign up for our newsletter by going to trdshow.net slash newsletter. Also, I mean, added bonus, our mom is running it for us, which is so cool. Why not help support us, uh, the show, and our family um, by going to trdshow.net slash newsletter. It's a cool newsletter. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. So check it out. It's like 30 seconds to sign up for it. How's that? Is that a good advert for all of our things? I covered all of our things. We have a lot. It's free. (laughs) It's free. All of this is free. None of it costs (laughs) you a cent. I mean, does it get better than that? I don't know. Um, Our theme this month is effectively giving an answer for the hope that lies within us. And this theme is... What we, in case you're new to the show, it's something we do every month. We have a new theme. And along with that theme comes a brand new book. And this month we are reading Presuppositional Apologetics, Stated and Defended. And it's by Greg, Bons- Greg Bonson, Dr. Greg Bonson. Fantastic book. We went through another one of his books called Always Ready a couple months back. And we were ready for round two. Uh, it is uh, certainly sometimes going to be a little bit difficult to get through some of uh, Dr. Bonson's works just because they are so so intellectual um and epistemological and philosophical and very deep theologically there's just so much content there so we like to take our time with some of greg bonson's books but they are fantastic books wonderful uh uh, concepts are, are discussed and introduced in those so we really hope you enjoy um that's today's episode, is our literature episode. So we read the rest of chapter one. We got halfway through chapter one in our last episode. Now we're finishing up chapter one. We're going to move into chapter two next week. Um, took us two weeks to get through a whole chapter, so that's how you know it's good. <laughs> but before we get into all of the incredible stuff we read this week, um, we have to talk about our verse for this week, and so I'm going
1: to pass it on over to Jake today to do that for us. Take it away, Jake. Yeah, and our verse for this week comes from Hebrews 10, verses 12 through 14, which says, But, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for, his, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And again, that is Hebrews 10 verses 12 through 14 and multiple different things going on here. Um, First of all, I think the most important thing to note is that the enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. Yes. Our enemies are under the feet of Christ. Mm. I, I think that is so vitally important for us to understand that we are instead of us being salt and losing our saltiness and being trampled underfoot, we should be <laughs> trampling. We should be stepping on top of the enemy. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But, but even, even more so looking at for, um, for by a single sy- single offering, he has perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified, we are sanctified so we can go, And so we can go (laughs) there for, right? Jake's key phrase. Yeah. Go therefore, exclamation mark. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. But so we can go now and do what we are called to do. Mm. Bring the culture back to Christ. Yes. Yep. Dude.
0: Good summation. Good wrap up. I like it. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah. So we also talked about that on our Monday episode. So if you missed that, Go back to our website and check it out, trdshow.net. We've also got links to Rumble, which we'd recommend checking out our episodes on Rumble and not YouTube because YouTube does not like free speech. So thanks, Jake, for that breakdown. Um, Let's get into presuppositional apologetics. There is so much here. The rest of chapter one talked about a ton of stuff. Um, I'm going to start out with uh, just a a topic. I want to discuss dealing with the ability of the unbeliever to gain knowledge. Okay, so... Last week, you know, we kind of introduced the, the principle, the concept that all knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord, right? And this is seen in Proverbs. I think it's chapter 1, verse 7, I think it is. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Without a proper understanding of who God is, without reading the word of God, we cannot hope to accumulate and acquire knowledge and wisdom and true wisdom. So then we have a bit of a problem with that assertion, right? And that is the ability of the unbeliever to gain knowledge. Well, Dr. Bonson, of course, thought through this, and he's provided us um, some interesting perspectives on page 17. He said, Because fallen man cannot escape the knowledge of God, he is still able to acquire knowledge through his contact with general revelation in the world. As a creature of God, he retains an irredactable knowledge of his creator. I love that phrase, irredactable knowledge of his creator. Knowledge of himself... Always bringing knowledge of his God as well. However, this knowledge with the uh, sinner—I'm (laughs) sorry—which this knowledge, which the sinner has and is able to gain, only holds him all the more responsible for his intellectual rebellion against the Lord. End quote. So, I really just want to draw two things from that quote. I thought was just super good, super good. That's horrible grammar. Really nice. I really appreciated how he phrased this. Uh, first of all, the irredactable knowledge. I mean, it's irredactable. You can't, however much you want to try and wash out your brain of the knowledge of God, and fools do this fools despise wisdom and instruction and so because they despise it they're trying to remove the knowledge of God from their brains. They're trying to suppress it in unrighteousness. Trying to remove it, right? They can't. It's built in. We are creatures created in the image of God so no matter how hard uh, was it the psalmist that said how far shall I run? Oh if I make my bed in hell you'll still be there, right? There is no (laughs) outrunning God. There is no running from the knowledge of God. You are a creature made in the image of God. So you can't escape it. It's built into you. You'll always have that God-shaped hole. I forget who originally said that, but it's very true. We are created to worship and enjoy God forever, as the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. So you can't escape that. Um, And as Bonson says in this last bit, when you try to do that, his last sentence says, however, this knowledge, which the sinner has, so the knowledge they have acquired, has has and is able to gain only holds him all the more responsible for his intellectual rebellion against the Lord. So when you try and do that, and you still gain knowledge from science or from observe, observing the world, or from what have you, reading literature, you are now making yourself even more responsible to God because he has allowed you to accumulate that knowledge Mm. Uh, i think elsewhere bonson says uh, the unbeliever is able to acquire knowledge in spite of himself right (laughs) so his whole nature wanting to rebel against god suppresses true wisdom and understanding and yet god in his mercy and grace there's no other word for it still allows that sinner that fool to accumulate knowledge despite of himself so rather than him being arrogant and thinking that that comes from me and being puffed up he should honestly, if he were not a fool, would open his eyes and realize, oh my goodness, God somehow allowed me to accumulate this knowledge in spite of myself. That should be the position of the fool. But because he's a fool, that's not his position. Um, anything you want to add, Jake, before I move on to my next topic?
1: I mean, that that explanation just fits in perfectly with... Um... The Romans passage, which says, "For they know the truth, yet they suppress the truth from them in in unrighteousness." Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, and I, I'm going to be talking about that a lot, actually. Ooh, my, my cool. whole, my whole, uh, uh, what I'm talking about is summarized in the unbeliever knows the truth. Hmm.
0: Yep. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I I can't wait to hear that. That'll be cool. Um, so let's talk about some of the problems of the unbeliever's worldview. Um, was kind of the next place that Bonson went, um, in the, the later half of chapter one. And so we've already talked about that. They, they are the inadequacies of their worldview. They're unable to account for knowledge. Uh, they're unable to account for morality. They're unable to account for a, of a lot of things. Um, but let's dive a little bit more deeply into that. On page 17, Greg Bonson said, because everything outside the Bible derives its meaning and intelligibility from what is infallibly taught only in the Bible, nothing outside the Bible is in a position to verify it independently and uh, self-sufficiency, self-sufficiently, end quote. Sorry, I'm jumping over my words today. All right, stumbling over my words there. (laughs) couldn't even get that phrase right. All right. So it's been a long week. It's been a long week. There's not enough coffee to get me through this today. <laughs> so um, so this whole quote is going back to um, the word of God being our only self-evidencing ultimate standard. The thing that we go back to and that we cannot verify externally because it doesn't need external verification. That's what he's saying here. Nothing outside the Bible is in a position to verify it independently and self-sufficiently. Everything else that we'll try to use to verify the Bible ultimately falls back onto something else, like our own human reasoning. (laughs) And we know how trustworthy our own human reasoning is. Not very trustworthy. So, we can't use anything externally to verify the Bible, or we're in a bad position as Christians, uh, apologetically. Um, So... Page 19, uh, Greg Bonson kind of continues this quote uh, or continues this idea rather. He says, The unbeliever is not able to explain anything at all, whether it be about history, nature, man, ethics, experience, or logic. What he has been able to understand and learn in the past, the knowledge which he has attained, has only been possible because he self-deceivingly relied on borrowed presuppositions. This concept right here, This is very, very important. What the unbeliever has been able to understand and learn in the past has only been possible because he self-deceivingly relied on borrowed presuppositions. Uh, And then Bonson says, The the knowledge of God suppressed in unrighteousness. Pretending to be autonomous, the self-sufficient judge of truth, the unbeliever has in fact been dependent on God and his revelation all along. End quote. That was like, I read that and I was... I was like, wow, he stated that so well. This whole time, the unbeliever thinks that he's doing this on his own. He's all arrogant, all proud of himself. Mm. And he's like, sweet, look at this knowledge I came to all by myself, all by my lonesome. I came to this wonderful perspective on life. And as it turns out, he didn't. <laughs> he's He is borrowing any sort of concrete morality. He has to borrow from scripture, whether he acknowledges it or not is is not the point. A school bus or or uh you know, school bus will hurt if you stand in the middle of the road and you get run over by one. It's going to hurt whether you acknowledge that or not. Whether you're like, nah, won't hurt at all. I'm just going to walk out there. See what happens, right? It's like, no, no, no. Well, you know, good luck. It's going to hurt. I don't trust you. Pfft, what happens, right? <laughs> it's like God doesn't exist. You can't prove that okay, well, I don't have to prove it (laughs) because God isn't the one on trial here. You are. And anytime that you think you can live in a way that is moral and just... You are borrowing from the Christian worldview. And that is exactly what Bonson's talking about here. Next quote, Bonson says, Well, while conveniently overlooking facts, becoming inconsistent with his principles, and not being able to give an intelligible account of fact and logic on his espoused presuppositions, the unbeliever will charge Christianity with being unfactual or illogical. (laughs) Like... What? Although asserting that nobody can know anything for sure, he will claim to know that Christianity must be false. End quote. This right here. This is li- this is it right here, right? While overlooking facts, becoming inconsistent with principles, not being able to give an intelligible account of facts, logic, uh, or espoused presuppositions. I mean, the a fool is a mess in terms of. The presuppositions and his ability to account for anything in life with all of that he still charges christianity with being unfactual or illogical i mean just it's insanity and when you realize that from that perspective it really makes the argument not as complex going into it as it might at first seem adding to this you know he says although asserting that nobody can know anything for sure he will claim to know that christianity must be false so we can't know anything there is no truth but well, there is one truth. Christianity's not true. <laughs> it's like, hold on a minute. I thought you just said there was no truth. You've just asserted something that's true. Hold on a minute. Or that you believe to be true. That's your truth is that there's no Christianity. Uh, okay. Well, maybe that's not universally true according to your worldview, right? It's, it's just a complete mess. All right. So I got one more quote. But before I get into that, Jake, is there anything you'd like to, to add or contribute to the conversation?
1: Uh yeah, cool. I have multiple quotes that Ooh. apply to talking about the unbeliever knowing the truth, yes, and and then denying it and what we are to do because of that. Cool. Um and I love this quote um which is found on page 19 that says the believer's professed interpretation of things is not our common ground, for we do not share that interpretation. Hmm. Rather, the actual state of affairs, man as God's image, the suppressed knowledge of God, the world as total revelatory of God, constitutes a point of contact for the apologist. Hmm. This is where we begin, right? They know the truth. Yep. They know man is made in God's image. Uh, They have suppressed the truth. And that is the point of contact. Yeah. That is is our common ground yep and good point and so from there we move into presuppositional apologetics which <laughs> we have gone over a bunch of times hopefully we can show that a little bit more yeah um and you'll be able to do that when they when they do profess something as true then you can go into presuppositional apologetic yeah.
0: well and i think what you're saying there is when they make a truth claim and that's mm-hmm. the technical, logical phrase for it, right? The, that's a truth claim. Is but they're setting something up as a premise that this has to be true. From their worldview, that's impossible, <laughs> right? And so what Jake's explaining here is when you know someone says murder is wrong. Okay, it's like well, hold on a second. That's a truth claim. Now mm-hmm. you just stated emphatically that there can't be truth claims from your worldview as an unbeliever, as a as an atheist. You can't know that. You have no basis right. to say that murder is wrong aside from your own personal opinion. Our dad would always say, Oh yeah, murder's wrong. And I like Rocky Road Ice Cream. <laughs> you know, like it's an opinion. At that point, it boils down to an opinion.
1: Yeah. And and they they don't necessarily come out and say that there is no truth, but mm, that is where their position in opinion lies. Yeah. Well that is I'll where tell you what, some of them
0: will <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. if you are I, I won't use the word lucky but sort of if you're lucky enough to be in a conversation and debate with an atheist who is upfront and honest about their worldview and actually says that there's they believe there's no truth good for you like great use that go but jacob is describing something that's totally true the layman actually don't understand the, their own worldview mm-hmm. enough to realize that that's actually what they believe yeah, yeah. sorry
1: jake go ahead no it's fine um But I wanted to move on to another quote, which shows even more the, for they know the truth, yet they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And this is found on page 20, in which Greg Bonson says, He can be called back to a remembrance of of his God, to an acknowledgement of what he knows in his heart of hearts. Hmm. Again, attesting to the position that they know the truth, yet they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Yep. And... And therefore the the claim and what what we need to know is that and can be found in my next quote found on page again on page 20 which says scripture provides the interpretive context within which fact and logic can be intelligible and used aright thus our standard cannot be autonomous something independent of God's revelation mmm yes and so then we ask, what is a what can it be based on? And uh, Greg Monson says, and again on page twenty, the standard that we use in apologetics will have to be the self-attesting word of God. Yes. a standard which is not verified by anything external to itself. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one final quote. If cool. uh, uh. If you want to interject, Lewis. Um No, I, I think that's great.
0: And I, I think restating that principle that we cannot use external things to verify the word of God, because then those external things become our ultimate standard. I think you restating that, especially the way that Monson phrased it there is, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, really good to keep that in mind. As we go into our apologetic conversations, it can be really, really easy. And and we have this temptation to fall back on our own understanding, right? And the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, right? We should be using the word of God, but we have a tendency as fallen human beings to trust our own heart, which as we know in the book of Jeremiah is deceitful above all else. We can't trust it, but we like to. So we like to look at science. We like to look at all of these external tools that while... If done from a biblical perspective, are are good, are, cannot be our ultimate standard, right? Right. I mean, we cannot use science to prove the existence of God. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a it's a human tool, right? Given to us by God, but it's not the Word of God, which is the only infallible standard. So.
1: Yeah, and that that leads me into my second most favorite. Oh wow. uh, I set you up paraphrase. for something cool. What is that?
0: I set you up for something cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: My second uh, most loved uh, paraphrase from scripture, but in the beginning, God. Yes. You have to start with God. Yes. Yes. God is the beginning of everything. Brilliant. So, but I actually, I have two quotes. Cool. And, uh, I was wrong in saying just one, but <laughs> the first one again is found on page 20. You can see where I was looking, but, um, <laughs> but uh, a lot of good stuff on that page. Yeah. Yeah. But um, on page 20, Greg Monson says, Christianity Christianity will be offered to him, and he's talking about the believer, not simply because it affords, it affords with facts and logic, but because facts and logic could not be meaningful without. Mm. Yep. Christianity is not simply as reasonable as other options, or <laughs> even slightly more so. Yes. It is the only reasonable position for man to hold.
0: Boom. Now that that is a good statement. I wish this were the end of the episode. Just cut it right there. It is the only. It's not only the most probable. It's not just one among many. It's not even just like, yeah, it makes the most sense out of all. No. It is the only logical, epistemological, theological, and philosophical answer to all of life's questions yep god is not one god among among many (laughs) yes there are no other gods i think elsewhere and we're going to get into this in our conversation on friday but god literally says i see no other gods throughout the entire Mm. existence of the earth i have seen no other god they don't exist there are no other gods he is the only true and living god there are no other gods they don't exist this is not just one option among many nope there, there are no other options. <laughs> he is the creator of heaven and earth, and you are his
1: creation. You need to act like it. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. the call here. Yeah. Yeah. And moving on to a different page, finally, but, um, <laughs> on page 21, we find... Uh, Another great Greg Bonson quote, and this one's a little bit longer, but it says, Moreover, Van Til's apologetic does not tone down the principal antithesis between believing and unbelieving philosophies. Because the impudence and incompetence of the natural man's alleged autonomous reasoning is taken account of. Van Til urges us to call for the unbeliever's unconditional surrender humbling humbly submitting to god's redemptive word which shall be accomplished only in the power of the holy spirit's word hmm. i i just love that love that phrase call for the unbelievers unconditional surrender <laughs> yes that is they so are good. coming at us with pitchforks <laughs> and we have the word of god that is living sharper than any two-edged yes. sword yes
0: yes Yeah, they're coming at us with pitchforks, and we have a nuclear bomb.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the weapon of all
0: weapons, the word of God, the gospel, the true gospel. Yep. Yeah, dude. Brilliant. And yeah, you know, I had another section I wanted to get to, but I think that I'm going to wrap it up with the requirement of a presuppositional apologetic because it plays off of what you were just talking about really nicely. And it actually sets up your quote as well. Um, So I might have you restate that in a little bit or at least a part of it. So keep that in mind. Um, But we only have five minutes left. So I'll try and get to this. (laughs) So um, my first quote is from page 21 uh, here under this topic, which says, Rather than presuming to act as an autonomous judge over God's revelation, presuppositionalism, as taught by Van Til, applies the truths of that revelation to the unbeliever by doing two things. One... Setting forth the pervasive pos- positive evidence provided by God of his veracity. And two, performing an internal critique of the unbelievers' world worldview and presuppositions, so as to show that they destroy the possibility of human knowledge. End quote. So he's talking about these two distinct separate things that we need to do. And he's talking about what Mantil's apologetics do. Um Uh, this is explained a little bit better in in the second quote, or at least expounded upon in a slightly different way. So I'll move on to this quote uh, from page 22. He said, it seems to me that in this way, Van Til has appreciate, uh, yeah, appreciably. Yep. That's think that's how you say that word. All right. Appreciably (laughs) advanced reformed apologetics in our day by building on the strengths of the two outstanding reformed theologians and philosophers, B.B. Warfield and a Kuyper. Yet, he, and he's talking about Van Til, he has done so without wandering into the questionable inferences drawn by these two great thinkers with respect to their distinctive contributions, end quote. So, actually, I I wish we had more time. Unfortunately, we don't. But I'd really like to get into B.B. Warfield's perspective on apologetics and and Kuyper's. Both Bonson described as having you know, decent apologetics, really solid, actually, the the top of their class, if you will, like they're kind of the forefront of reformed apologetics. But they they lacked a few things in several areas that kind of undermined their whole premise. So at the end of chapter one, I would, I would really recommend that you grab a copy of this book, even if you're just going to read these few pages. But look at the end of chapter one and just read, I would say, the last three pages of chapter one. He goes into a little more detail about uh Kuyper's, Abraham Kuyper's position, B.B. Warfield's positions on apologetics, they're fascinating topics to study. Uh, and if you, you know, want to get this book, go to our Gab page, gab.com slash trdshow, and uh, scroll down a little bit, you'll see a link to this book. Uh, we post all, all of our books on our Gab page so that our audience can reference them and, and purchase them for themselves. We encourage everyone to have a copy of all the books we're reading, even if you're just going to fact check us you know, we appreciate that too. We like being kept honest. Um, but uh, let me get, I have two minutes left. I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds about their two positions very, very briefly. So not like, not even that deep into the weeds, just a little bit. We're going to graze the weeds a little bit. Um, on page 22, Greg Bonson said, Kuiper's illegitimate inference, uh, that apologetics is virtually." useless contradicted warfield's commendable emphasis that the evidence is so plain that we can show unbelief to be against all reason end quote so those were kind of their two holes their two blank spots if you will they're they're overarching premises that kind of had some issues uh said apologetics is virtually useless because we can't really convince them Um, but then the uh bb warfield said the evidence is so plain that We can show unbelief to be against all reason. So it's like, all right, well, there's some interesting things to both of those. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Read those. Uh, Another quote from page 23, Bonson said, other apologetical systems popularly, there it is, Popularly presented in the church, they're very popular in the church today, <laughs> suffer from major internal flaws, despite the many and fine points which can be learned from them. Um, and then he continues later on page 23 and says these non presuppositional defenses of the faith tend to be too concessive, they give too much, uh, they concede too many points to the unbeliever and aim simply to show Christianity as probably true. They do not leave the unbeliever without excuse, but suggest implicitly that he has the prerogative and ability to stand in judgment over God's own word, end quote. So what that's talking about is a lot of the, the apologetics in our day and age today. Uh, that was very redundant in our day and age. Um, they concede, they give too much. They allow the unbeliever too much of a leash. Um, they allow them too much of a rope and they don't ever hang themselves with it. Uh, so we need to understand that we need to leave the unbeliever without excuse. They have no excuse as explained, I think in actually Romans chapter one that Paul says they have no excuse because the the truths of God have been made plain to them. They have no excuse. We need to show them that they have no excuse, um, and show them that they're not the one that God is not the one on trial. They are there's a lot more that could be said and unfortunately we're almost one minute over time as it is but uh jake
1: anything you'd like to add before we wrap up really quickly no i think very plainly it's you're and i love this i love this from the quote i think this should go on a t-shirt but we need to call for their unconditional surrender yes (laughs) two things go therefore and then we
0: need to call for their unconditional surrender. I like it. <laughs> we might be making up a whole bunch of new t-shirt designs if anyone's interested. <laughs> awesome, cool, thank you, Jake. Well, this has been quite the episode. We covered so many cool stuff. If you liked what we had to say, or you didn't like it, or you were like, huh, that's an interesting thought, we wanna hear all of those things. Send us an email at trdshow@protonmail.com. At Leave a comment under this video. Please like our videos. We've been noticing a lot of people watching them but not liking them, so, We're we're like, oh, did they not like them? (laughs) If you didn't like it, you know, let us know why. Uh, But if you did like it, please like the video. It really helps us out analytically and helps us uh, grow our audience as well. So we'd really appreciate that. Uh, Go to trdshow.net. Follow us on pro First Amendment platforms. Check us out on Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Getter.com slash TRDShow, I think, is where we are. Go to Gab.com slash TRDShow. If you're not on those two platforms already, you should join those two platforms. They're fantastic, Um, especially Gab. I would really highly recommend Gab. If you're going to join one of the two, join Gab. Um, Join our newsletter, TRDShow.net slash newsletter. Looking forward to uh, having more people sign up. We'd really like that. And I think you really would, too. you get a lot out of the newsletter. It doesn't take long at all to sign up. It's like 30 seconds. Um, And with that, we will see you on our Friday episode. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you then.
1: And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do is unto the Lord.